Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. 27. We are on episode 27. Nice. And I think today the goal was to focus on what does it mean to have like a legacy, right? Like what, how do we define legacy in terms of combat sports yeah i think even relates to all sports because one of the biggest debates is like who's the best ever right and in the nba you're always seeing stuff like lebron versus michael jordan Mm -hmm. and uh i think we wanted to kind of try to break this one down like a little bit analytically and be like okay when it comes to like the greatest ever of something and legacy what are the actual criteria that we should maybe be emphasizing beyond just wins and losses. Yeah. Before we get to that, we should shout out our good friends, Greg and Alex. They run the Anything Goes podcast. You can find them Anything Goes with Greg and Alex. Greg and Alex cover a lot of topics. They cover things like MTV's The Challenge. They cover pro wrestling a bit. They cover haunted houses. They're really big into that. Checking out that whole scene. They're into Disney. Um, definitely go check them out. Uh, they shouted us out as a great podcast to listen to. And so we wanted to say thanks. And while we're giving thanks, we might as well mention a few Instagram accounts. So some of those fight accounts, MMA underscore gains, the fight bubble, fight underscore dimension, fight media outlet, MMA dot punchlines, roundhouse underscore MMA, and fight fan off. And MMA breeze, that's right. Yes, all of those accounts have been pretty awesome. You should check them out. Um, You could probably follow them on our account. You can check who follows us and who we follow. All right, so the whole idea is how do we define legacy? Because when we made the post about Aldo and Khabib on our IG stories, it was definitely some cherry-picked stuff, but our fans definitely voted strongly that Aldo has the better career than Khabib did. Yeah, let's talk about how do we define legacy. Yeah, exactly. And I I was curious how our fans were going to vote because most of our fans are fighters and people that are training, you know? And so I consider them a little bit more intelligent than just like regular people watching. Mm-hmm. But also the post had some bias in the sense that some of the statistics favored Aldo. But then I also believe Khabib's success was more recent than Aldo's. So each person had like a little advantage. And I was just really quite surprised how people voted for Aldo, like overwhelmingly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what are the main criteria for being great? And how how do we rank these in terms of relevance? And so, yeah, let's let's list some of the what we should be looking at overall. All right. So initially, the three things, these are kind of the only three things I think of is record, your strength of schedule, as in the opponents, the grade of your opponents, and your perceived skill. And what do you mean by perceived skill? Like, how do we look at that? Because that is also something you can't quantify. Like, if we're trying to be like legit, like that one. I mean, it it, it is in that if you have a 10 and 0 fighter who you've never heard of versus, let's say, I don't know, Anderson Silva's, you know, whatever it is, seven title defenses, you can clearly see that Anderson displays incredible skill, incredible knockouts, head movement, submissions, right? Like some like diversity, like that, that's what skill, you know what I mean? Like if you have not only the ability to finish, maybe the ability to withstand, 
good defense, good offense. You just, again, it's like a whole perceived skill set. Okay, that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. It's not really a matter of uh, getting decision wins by stalling on the cage. And while that is a big deal, you wouldn't say, oh, that person's as good as Anderson Silva. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So that was another criteria I wanted to add. And so I guess maybe what you said is perceived skill is what I wrote down as dominance. Okay. Like, um, h- how well, like how much in control were they? Okay, yeah. And I like mean, the I, diversity, like you said, can they beat different types of opponents? Too. How yes. did they beat them? Mm-hmm. And so it, it ties in with strength of schedule as well because you could be beating people that are like amateurs with like spinning heel kicks. But when Edson Barbosa does that in the UFC, like it's, we assume like, oh, that's against a higher level of competition. And that's yes. quite amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also had longevity in there. Do you put longevity in totally with record? Because part of me thinks like longevity, some people are hurt by longevity, but it also shows their willingness to fight and be great and put themselves out there. Yeah, I would still say that's expressed in numbers, right? A guy that had like 50 fights, it's got longevity. Okay. Okay, that's fair. How about besides just winning and losing, do accolades matter to you? Like certain fight of the nights, like being having records for number of knockouts or consecutive victories. Like, does that have any impact? No, I, I no, I don't believe it does. Why not? Because it, it's you're you're putting it into like I don't know, like less tangible things. Like, yeah, you can do fight of the night bonuses, but that's determined by like Dana White, who he just thinks that night. Like, there could have been someone just as equally as good. And he just decided on that other one. And now that other guy missed out on that. It's just a kind of a, I don't know, it's a little wishy-washy for me. Okay. Does error matter to you? Do you think some errors or weight classes are stronger than others? And so therefore like maybe somebody has like less of a record, but they fought during a better era. Like, where do you put that? I would totally agree with that, but I think that's just part of strength of schedule. Okay, that comes to vision. Yeah. Okay. All right, that's fair. So once again, your three things are strength of schedule, then the record, mm-hmm. and then the skills slash dominance shown in those victories. Yes. Out of those three, what do you think is the most important? Um, are they all equally important to you? And like each one's a third and we should weight them the same. Yeah, I would, I would probably say they're all equal. I'm, if anything, I would probably put record the least. Why? Because, I mean, I guess, I guess if you make it equal to strength of schedule, it balances out. But there's something about like, I don't know, there's just some fighters that come to mind, like a Randy Couture or something that didn't have a, a, stand, a standout record, but was definitely a great fighter because he just versed the, the best guys. Yeah, the modern era will hate people like Randy Couture and BJ Mm -hmm. Penn, like they're going to assume that they weren't that good. And BJ Penn at one point was Anderson Silva said, BJ Penn is the best martial artist in the world. And BJ Penn was like one of the first to do like the double champ and all the amazing things. But then also Mm -hmm. at the same time, now he's the only UFC fighter to have seven losses in a row. And like, it's like, Oh fuck. Like at one point he was in the conversation for goat talks. And so now does his record eliminate him from goat talks in your opinion? Because mm. that's what I meant by peak, you know, like at his peak, legendary, you know, like goes toe to toe with Leota Machida. 
at a heavyweight fight, you know, for a lightweight. Like, yeah, I mean, confuses me. Yeah. All right. I, I think I think I guess peak is fair. It's just I feel like now you start setting parameters of like, oh, now you're only counting some wins and some losses. You know what I mean? Like, oh, let me just take off the seven losses that BJ got. Like, you're like, ah, oh, let's. You know, you're starting to be selective. You exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. It's tr- That's I, the I only thing I don't like about peak. I understand what you're saying and getting at, and I kind of agree with you, Wanu, but then it just becomes like, where do we draw the line? Mm-hmm. Because same thing with Fedor, right? Like, Fedor lost to Matt Mitrione, and it's, yep. like, sad. But it's like, yep. do we count that? But at his best, of course, Fedor was the greatest. Yeah, he. I mean, he lost to... He lost to a, I mean, he lost to Hendo, but that's okay. Bigfoot Silver, Verdum... Mitrione, he lost to Ryan Bader. Verdun was the first loss, and that was a legit Actually, was like second loss. Really? His first big loss is what you want to say. He had a loss oh. early in his career when he was four and zero. He lost to a guy. Wasn't it like a cut or something? It was like a technical. It was a doctor stoppage. Yeah, it was a doctor stoppage. Okay. Don't do that though. Don't be one of those guys. Like it's a cut. It's not a real win. I'm one of those guys. If he wanted to keep fighting, he would have kept fighting and he would have won. It's a win. That's I the know. sport. I, I trust Fedor. Sport it, versus fight. It, yeah, but you have to look at some nuance when you're doing like goat talk, you know? You can't ignore some rules. You can't do that. Why not? <laughs> I want to. Like I feel like no, certain things I think should apply. Yeah, we had this debate this week because uh, ESPN MMA, they put out a post and they said only two fighters have had have had knockouts in three weight divisions. One was Jared Cannonier at heavyweight, light heavyweight and middleweight. And then the other one was Conor McGregor at featherweight, lightweight and welterweight. Mm-hmm. And I commented that Conor never really fought a welterweight. Like he fought Donald Cerrone, Nate Diaz, people that made their names at lightweight and then they just decided not to cut at welterweight and so some people were upset that i made that statement but i feel like if you're gonna put two people neck and neck like jared cannonier and connor for like a record i feel like jared's was better again i mean connor was a featherweight so you can say he wasn't a real welterweight either so even if he's beating lightweights at welterweight it's still a thing yeah, but Jared was beating everybody at their natural weight, I at mean, their best potential weight, I think. Yeah, maybe, but again, is he versing the guys that Connor's versing? Like, yeah, I don't know, man. It gets tricky, but look, that's kind of what we're doing. We're trying to we're trying to break it down, right? And we look at things like strength of schedule. And if we're gonna look at strength of schedule, Nate Diaz did terrible at welterweight when he fought real welterweights, like Rory McDonald manhandled him right and i think like rory mark like he couldn't handle like the real deal welterweights yeah maybe now he can but now when he was younger i don't really care about that that weight class difference i would just say who he's fighting okay that that, yeah that's what i would do see to me the weight class does matter because it shows in goat talks not other stuff but it shows yeah i wouldn't exactly say that donald cerrone and nate diaz are championship material no, but they're really good fighters. And I, I feel like they're big wins. Like, I would never take the wins away from Connor. I just take away the fact that they're welterweight wins. Like, to me, it's like, all right, now we're playing, like, a little bit of a game. Like, Yeah, that, that's why I wouldn't let it influence legacy at all, something like that. Okay. See, I think going up and challenging yourself impacts 
at least in my opinion, means you're up for the challenge, meaning that makes your strength of schedule better. And that's why like, I respect Anderson Silva a great deal for going up to light heavyweight. Yeah. But again, yeah. it matters more if it's a championship. Yeah. Like DJ really beating Matt Hughes is much bigger than Connor beating Cerrone. 100%. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that's why again, like, okay, that's a championship, though. That, that's what the distinction is for me. You know what I mean? Like uh, going oh. up against Nate or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Like Jared Kennedy are doing it in three weight classes. Yes, but never a champion. See, to me, my favorite BJ fight that shows like he was the man is that he fought Leota Machida and did really quite well. Even though he didn't win and it wasn't a championship fight, like the fact that he went up to heavyweight as a lightweight and somebody that became the heavyweight, light heavy. like the light heavyweight yeah. champion. Yeah. Like to me, that's like, that's sick. That just shows like he could hang with anybody. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was substantially above his weight class, right? Yeah. <laughs> Light heavy's two hundred five. I think BJ weighed in at like one eighty six or something just to make it. And and Machida was like two ten. It was like higher. Yeah. Like it was mm-hmm. a heavyweight fight. Like that was mm-hmm. that was insane. And so yeah, it's just hard. I mean, there's never going to be a right answer. But that's why I was thinking like when they did show the strength of schedule of Khabib's first opponents. Like his first 16 opponents, they were not that good. The strength of schedule was close to 500%. I mean, I would argue half of Khabib's schedule is not that good. Up yeah. until he gets into the UFC? Yeah, he had 16 fights before he got into the UFC. And even a few UFC ones are like, all right, let's not get too crazy here. Right. Yeah. So if but you're looking those... at his record, right, I'm on his Wikipedia right now. Mm-hmm. Of his first 16 fights, only one of them, only one of those names has a link that he's even a fighter. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're mm-hmm. like, all right, that's already like red flag-ish. Then of his UFC opponents, like, okay, those are all linked up. These are these are fighters. There's some guys, Kamal Shaloris. Yeah, but he's an Olympian. So even though he might not be the best fighter, like he definitely had. All right, even guys like, I know Pat Healy, I know Trujillo, like Diago Tavares, yeah, Daryl Horcher. Like these aren't huge names. Don't tell me Michael Johnson is huge. Hey, Johnson beat... Who did Michael Johnson beat? He beat Tony Ferguson and somebody else. Poor Yeah, he's had some big wins, but Michael yeah. Johnson... Michael Johnson's record. He's 19 and 17. Yeah, but he beat some good people. He beat Poirier and he beat Ferguson when they were good. Right. Like that. He's had some big wins, but he's 19 and 17. I know, but that's what I mean by peak a little bit. Like to me, like Michael Johnson will always be. Michael he, Johnson's never won more than three in a row. Oh, four in a row once. Yeah. It, he's. Let's not rest Khabib's legacy on Michael Johnson. No, no, of course not. This is what but I it, mean. Like if you're looking at Khabib, he's had six great opponents. Edson, Barbosa, McGregor, Poirier, Gagey. Who else? Dosanos. That's one, two, three. That's five. Okay. You're not, even giving, you're not even giving him six. This is what I'm saying. Like, are we really going to say Khabib is the greatest? So you also, though, have said previously you can only fight the people that you're up against. Correct. You know, and, and these are people like Ally Kent is still a good fighter, even though he's not great. Like, he's good. Like, 100%. Thing, I, you could put him in. Yeah. Put him Lisa in. Lisa Tebow, Abel Trujillo. Sure. And I'm not saying Khabib isn't great. It's obvious he is great. He's a steamroll at lightweight you're gonna Mm -hmm. compare him to a fedor the thing about khabib though is khabib never looked in danger even fedor got slammed on his head once like the thing about fedor was amazing is he was never out of it but there were moments where you're like what 
like Fedor like stumbles a little or like you know like got rocked a little like nothing ever happened to give Khabib and that's okay. part of the reason like I now put look peak at the and dominance schedule yeah and tell me if Khabib was versing these type of guys that Khabib wouldn't have been in danger mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah Fedor's strength of schedule in the beginning was he never fought easy people until the end of his career no, his, his fourth fight was already Ricardo Arona. Yeah. And Arona won like ADCC championships, correct? Like mm-hmm. medals. Like he was one of the greatest grapplers in the world at the time. He's arguably the greatest uh, ADCC competitor. Never lost. I don't even think there was any really? points scored against him. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. So at the same time, though, what some people say about Aldo is he lost to the best fighters he's ever fought. Like he lost to Conor McGregor. He lost to Max Holloway twice. He lost to Volkanovsky. He lost to Peter Yan. Like, okay, hold up a second. Hold up a second. Uriah Faber was a win. Kenny Florian was a win. Korean Zombie was a win. Frankie Edgar was a win. Chad Mendez was a win. These are all like champions or champion contenders like they fought for a championship yes cub swanson mike brown those are yeah so let's not go to say that he lost against all the best guys he versed that's not exactly true okay but the second half of his career like since connor then yeah he has sure so if, if we're just taking those wins that you said there's about seven or eight that are great wins so khabib's only like three away from that Okay, how about this? He just retired. Khabib retired at 29 and 0, right? Yeah. Let's look at 29 fights. Aldo was 26 and 3. Yes. Okay. His wins were larger than Khabib's, I believe. Even by that point, and the fact that he's still going on and pulling out some wins and still versing top competition. I mean, Khabib's career could have went the same way too. Like you just don't know. I know. I, I still believe Khabib is definitely in like the top five GOAT talks. I just think if he fought two more times and then challenged the welterweight champion, he's 100% the GOAT. If he just um, did that like a few more times. If he beats Charles Oliveira and then say he beats, I don't know, who's the next best lightweight right now after like Charles Oliveira and not Gagey and Poirier since he beat them already. But say, say he had, in an alternate universe, he had beaten Tony Ferguson when Ferguson was on his streak, and yeah. then he just beats Charles Oliveira, okay. and then he goes up to fight Usman, and somehow he wins that fight, he's okay, the best yeah. ever. Yeah, I th- think that's he's a lot the of myths, though. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I think yeah. he easily beats Ferguson and Oliveira, so it really would be coming down to, like, would he take on the challenge to fight a GSP or Usman? More Usman for me. And if he won that, to me, he would be no question the GOAT. The fact is, though, that he, he did cut his career short makes so, it harder. You think Khabib was better than Anderson Silva? I don't know that because I also put Silva in the top five. Like, to okay. me, they're, like, all, all right there. Anderson Silva, the only thing that pissed me off is, like, he would have beaten Weidman in my head, and I still believe this. Like, I'd bet my life on it if he doesn't showboat. But the thing is, showboating is what made Silva get into people's heads. Yeah, that's a what if. We can't do what ifs, man. I know. It's just like, ah. I put Khabib higher than Silva in the GOAT talk a little bit because I think his wrestling and Khabib had a higher fight IQ and he would control the fights better. Like Silva was at ri- as a danger a lot more than Khabib. Like Sonnen... I don't know, just, man. I think Anderson had more 
like had a, so much dominance in his fights too. I, I don't know. A lot of them. I know he had some close calls and of course losses and stuff too, but yeah, like Travis know, Luter, think- Travis Luter mounted Silva, Chael Sonnen like controlled Silva for four and a half rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Anderson also mauled Sonnen in that second match, but yeah, mauled him. Yeah. <laughs> and said he had a broken rib. Yeah. Hey, I, I think Anderson is right there, too. If anybody goes, Anderson's the best ever, I'd never tell them, no, you're wrong. And he had an incredibly hard schedule. Like, he beat Forrest Griffin, who was a light heavyweight champion. He beat Dan Henderson, who was uh, the middleweight champion. Like, Yeah, Nate Marquardt was huge. Of course, Hendo was huge. James Irvin. There's a lot of guys that Franklin. were like, huge. Forrest Griffin was a champion. Rich Franklin was a champion. Um yeah, even uh, Lieben, Okami, Rivera, Shonan, Jeremy Horn, like just he, oh, Carlos Newton. It's another like mm-hmm. Ron Carnero. Like there's a lot of freaking guys he versed. He versed one of my former instructors. That was a that was second win. Wow. First Morongo, Fabricio Camus. You mentioned Belfort too? That was the big one. Yes, that's right. Yeah, dude. Like, so I just think like Silva's strength of schedule was just way harder than Khabib's. I think so too. At 29, at 29 fights in, Anderson was just basically, Anderson won the title on his 20th, no, 23rd fight. You know what I mean? And then he kept going. Like he was 33 and four. And he would challenge himself. No, he would go into the Grand Prix where he was like outweighed, right? With pride. Or no, am um, I misremembering? I don't know if he went up. In, I mean, he went up in weight with like Forrest Griffin. Um, I don't know what weight classes he might have been for some of his matches. I don't think it was anything and, crazy. And he won with like a lot of different ways. Submissions, TKOs, front kicks, knees, elbows. Yes. Like he mm-hmm. did a little bit of everything. And, you know, he went into boxing and he did really well against mm-hmm. uh, who did he just beat? Uh, no. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Yeah, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who was a champion at one point. Not a great one, per se, but like was a champion, and he outboxed him at 46 years old. Yes. So You know, he's boxing uh, Tito Ortiz next, right? Yeah, I don't know why he's going down in that sense. Like, How about this? Anderson Silva main-evented 19 UFCs. He headlined 19 UFCs, right? That Like, Khabib doesn't touch that. I know. I think. Khabib, I think uh, Khabib headlined three. It's just that he was so good. Isn't in those that three. crazy though? I know. He was just, there was also a time though people didn't want to fight Khabib. So even if he wanted to fight all those people, maybe he couldn't. And also he had a lot of injuries, so he was just out of it for a while. Maybe I don't know. I I think my case is always going to be Fedor as the example of like the best ever, just because I think he he satisfies all three in the best way possible. And what's crazy is Fedor's still fighting. He has another fight coming up. Does he really? Yeah, it's his last Bellator fight, I think. Fedor. How much in the GOAT conversation does, like, aura matter to you? you there, there's no tangible way to, like, oh, man, look at I'm... aura. But, like, Fedor and Anderson Silva, like... Right, well, let's like... talk about this. So, in the world of boxing, because someone messaged us rec- uh, recently, Ilya, and he was talking about, you know, Tyson being, like, the scariest man ever. Like, that aura. How does that relate to legacy? And for me, that's just kind of like media sensationalism because I don't think Mike Tyson is a, I don't think he's a top 10 boxer of all time. And I think most people, when they think top boxers of all time, 
one of the top three names is usually Tyson that comes up. Mm -hmm. It's always like Ollie and Tyson. And I'm always surprised by that because I don't think Tyson scratches top 10. I feel like I might even be able to make a case where like he's a top 10 heavyweight. He's definitely not even a top five heavyweight to me. So, so yeah, I'm interested to see like, is the perception of like, Oh, this guy's aura and fear. Like, does it overwhelm his record, his strength of schedule? I don't know. And also, so then that also comes down to like dominance. Like is how much more valuable is a knockout than a dominating win? Like we haven't mentioned GSP yet. Yeah, some would argue that, but like for us, <laughs> me and you, like, you know, and like the, in the goat talk, like where where do we put that? Like, shouldn't like GSP clearly dominated people like John Fitch and Josh Koscheck, who are great fighters, but he never knocked them out. Like he didn't. Maybe he, he TKO'd Josh Koscheck. Like, so that, that's time, why I like, put skill in there because you could still see he clearly outclassed them. Okay, so to you, there's no difference between domination and a knockout. They're both dominating. Yeah, way. you can have a dominant like decision still, or you cannot have a dominant decision. Like those are two different things still. You know, a decision doesn't always mean it wasn't dominant. What if someone is just safe and they only fight when they feel their best? Where some me. people like say they're broke and they're like, I'm just gonna I'll fight anybody, and they might fight somebody even when they don't feel that good. Well, that's their mistake, and they're not they're losing. I, that's why I can't go to those intangibles. Like, oh, this guy had a tummy ache one time. Like, I'm I'm not listening to that. All right. It, you know, it's hard. So in your so in your goat thing, like who are you putting as the best and why? So th that's why I wanted to make the distinction of like those three things. Because when Ilya was talking about like Mike Tyson and aura, and I'm like, no, Lennox Lewis doesn't have that aura, but he's clearly a better, better boxer than Mike Tyson. He's like, no way, though, all those knockouts. And I'm like, well, yeah, Tyson got knocked out a bunch, too. Yeah, I, I don't so, know. And like his level of competition was not even close to Lennox Lewis. And Holyfield, too, then you would put above him. And here's another intangible if you want to think something cool. Lennox Lewis, every loss that he got, he avenged. Mm. So if you're looking at it like, you know, you can avenge a loss, you can look at him as an undefeated fighter. Then. I do like that. And I, I think that does say something about the spirit. He's the, only, yeah. he's the only fighter to ever do that. Really? Yeah. Avenge every I, loss they've had. Yeah. At, at that level. Ali didn't. I thought Ali avenged. And again, Lennox Lewis only had two losses. So it, it to me, it's one of those things where and he beat Mike Tyson, which is like, but no one talks about Lennox Lewis being the greatest ever, right? Mm -hmm. But yet mm -hmm. you hear Tyson all the time because of that aura, and I'm always surprised. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I think because when it comes to fighting, most of us are not fighting all the time. Like most people aren't fighting. And I think like almost having a strong aura and having people not want to fight you is almost a win. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's actually just media. I think people just buy into like media because you'll see that. So it's, it's evident with Mike Tyson, like that was a thing. But he was a scary person. He was doing very bad things, not even just in the ring, but outside the ring. And maybe that added to that persona of just danger. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I don't know. That, that That's tough for me to say. Like, I guess Fedor had an aura. I was just going to say Fedor was like a pretty gentle, but not inside the ring. Fedor had the, the, the reason I think people of our generation love Fedor is his aura. Like his aura was the best, was like the most intimidating aura ever at the time. Like a sports psychologist said, like, he doesn't make eye contact. 
And that is, and then when he does make eye contact, it's only when you look away at the face off and he compared it to a psychopath. And, and somebody said, other people, like when you get into a fight, they think like, oh, this person trying to hurt me. But when you fight Fedor, you think, oh my God, this person might kill me. Mm-hmm. And like, I think like there is something to that. There is that intangible. And I would relate that to other sports too, like basketball, like Michael Jordan would just scare the shit out of people. You know, like I think like Barry Bonds, like you just didn't want to pitch to him. Like okay, he was so that so good. Here's another example then. We have Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Mm-hmm. Deontay Wilder has a crazier aura, right? I don't know about that because you got like the Gypsy King, like Tyson Fury also has his own aura too. It's just. He does. But if you're talking about like, okay, like scary guys, clearly Deontay Wilder's scarier than Tyson Fury, but Tyson Fury's more skilled, which is why I'll pick Tyson Fury. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right about that. Yeah. That's, so this is one of, one of those things that like, that's where the aura you kind of lose me. Like, okay, yes. Like Deontay Wilder is the heaviest hitter of all time the most knockouts, the strongest punch, like for sure. And he is scary. And he's a great boxer, like legend for sure. But yeah, that perceived skill is a different thing. You know, like that aura doesn't go as far as that perceived skill does for me. And of course your talent and strength of schedule, which he has, but Tyson's got better. Mm -hmm. How important is variety to you? So like Tyson had like the amazing uppercut and like you just knew he was going to knock people out. But even Ted, Teddy Atlas said this about Mike Tyson. He said every fight that Mike Tyson's been in, he's lost. Meaning like when somebody could compete with Mike Tyson pretty much even and he couldn't dominate them with their aura, he felt as though Tyson was going to lose. Yeah, that's actually my case for Deontay Wilder being a better boxer than Tyson. Why? Because, because... regardless of aura, like Wilder could win. Well, yeah, Wilder gets beaten in a lot of his fights and then comes out to win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And oh, he's got okay. a much stronger record. He's 42-1-1. and Like, so far, he's a greater knockout power. Like, you put any metric out there versus Tyson, his is better. And strength of schedule, too, you would do that? I don't know. You might give that to Tyson. It's comparable. Yeah. I, I, would, I would give it to Tyson, the strength of schedule. But, yeah, I don't know. Everything else, I'm giving Deontay. Yeah, I was thinking of somebody like Dan Henderson. Okay, Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson like, is a great example. To me, Dan Henderson is the most underrated, like American fighter, maybe fighter in general, like Olympian, like master of his sport, and then just came into like MMA and just was amazing. The first two division champ, right? I think in Pride, like middleweight and light heavyweight. His, his um, third fight was Alan Goes. His fourth fight was Carlos Newton. Those are both legends. Yeah, like he didn't get, there was no easy guys in his schedule. No easy guys. But I think people looked at Henderson a little bit, like later on in his career, they're like, oh, he's just got a right hand. But if your right hand Correct. is that amazing and your wrestling's that amazing, should that take away from your, you know what I mean? Like legacy a little bit, like because you just yeah, had this because- one thing that was that good. Your skills weren't as deep. His last 10, he went three and seven. What if they don't need to be as that deep because your things that are good are just that amazing? Okay, so like in Deontay Wilder's case, yeah, he's got a straight right. And that knocks everyone out, and that's what makes him great. But the problem, the difference is only one person has answered Deontay Wilder, whereas Dan Hendo, a bunch of people solved that problem. Yeah, Rampage and Anderson Silva. Yeah, that's why you can't compare like... Yeah, 
Rampage, Silva, Jake Shields, Machida, Rashad Evans, Belfort, DC, Musasi. Belfort twice. Bisping. Yeah. Bisping, I don't even really think beat Dan Henderson that second time. Like Henderson at 46. That was crazy. The UFC, I think, was like shaking in their boots. Like, yo, Mike, (laughs) we expected you to win this one like easy. And then like Henderson, meanwhile, it's like, yeah. I just Henderson to me is just like one of those like ultimate fighter people. Like so no matter I, who he fights, it's gonna if, be close. Yeah. If you want to go on the metric of like one of the most exciting fighters, that's a great one. Yeah. No, but because he's always like performance of the night, knockout of the night, can go either like yeah, he's always in there. I'm with you where I think strength of schedule probably matters the most. And that's yeah. why like this week it really hit me that wait up, maybe I don't think Khabib is the GOAT because to me, Khabib has the dominance factor, but maybe he has the dominance factor because the strength of schedule wasn't so amazing. But also nobody's done to Justin Gagey or Poirier or McGregor what Khabib has done, you know? So like it's it's like a little bit of a longevity thing where it's like just if you did it two or three more times and against a welterweight, like to me, then there's no doubt you're the greatest ever. Yeah, I mean... It's tough. I think the media does a good job of like making whoever it is right now seem like the best ever. I think Khabib gets a lot of hype. He's great, but of all the champions in UFC's history, you're talking about like all the greatest. And if you're even going to expand it to outside of UFC, um, I don't know if he scratches like the top guys who have had like a huge amount of title defenses, you know, because like for Khabib, the strength of schedule only really got tough when he pretty much had the title a few fights before that where so like that I, that's I, why i think title defenses is such a big deal because he didn't have the strength of schedule before that we're like another guy like you know we're talking about like fedor or dan henderson or, or any of these guys anderson silva like their strength of schedule started way sooner and but, they had more title defenses but if but people avoided khabib and khabib was hurt so that, I think that's, he his own, been cha- that's his own fault then. But he would have been champion earlier if he could have been. And I don't think anybody would have beat him. Like for the two years before he was champion, I still think he beats everybody in the world. It's just he didn't have the belt at the time. You're going on intangibles here. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he was hurt. Well, that's also Khabib's fault. You know, it's yeah. not anyone else's fault. Yeah. You can't like make that help his legacy. Honestly, this week did change my opinion. I don't put him as the greatest ever anymore, but he's still easily in the top five for me. Like, he's one of the greatest ever. Like, you can mm-hmm. never say he's not the greatest. But I think I've gone back to thinking Fedor is the greatest ever. Yeah, I, that, that's, that's always going to be my pick for MMA. And why do you put Fedor as the greatest ever? Yeah, 28 straight wins. I mean, just he had every finish possible. Mm-hmm. That's what by, it is for me. Finished by punches, kicks, knees, different submissions, an assortment of submissions from top and bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got throws, he's got comebacks, he's got mismatches, he's got circus fights, and the strength of schedule is unreal. Yeah. There's nothing Fedor doesn't have. The only thing he doesn't have is an undefeated record. But 39 and 6, I'll take it. Let's see. All right. From 7 and 1. Could we, uh, 
Fedor has Kamaras, TKOs with punches, TKOs with doctor stoppages, another Kamara, rear naked choke, soccer kicks. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> punches, arm bar, another Kamara, another arm bar, TKO, another arm bar, another Kamara, another arm bar. Wow, he's got a lot of arm bars. Rear naked choke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I put Fedor. Plus, it's heavyweight, so I think there needs to be a. I don't know. Chael Sonnen was saying the lighter weight divisions are much harder and like much better quality. But I also think if you're beating the biggest and the best in the world, like that has to count for something, especially when like any single punch could take you out. Also, let's let's look at Fedor. He won the Pride Heavyweight Championship against Big Nog when he was 13 and one. He had that title until Pride was over. Like, Mm -hmm. You understand? Like, that's insane. From 2003 to 2010, or no, 2000, and he had a lot of fights in that time. To talk about an active champion. Yeah. And he had like three, two or three fights every year. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got to make the case for me. What sells it on me too is when he fought the best jujitsu guy in the world at the time, Nogara, he was just in his guard fucking him up. He's like, I'll play your ground game. Mm-hmm. And then he fought Mirko Krokop, who was the best kickboxer in the world at the time. And then was like, I'm just going to stand up with you and fucked up Krokop standing up. So that's like Khabib just straight up just kickboxing with Gagey and winning, not even taking him down, you know, like and yeah, and still just dominating somebody else with just crap. I don't know. This also just makes me really respect Sambo so much more because two of the top five guys I feel like in the GOAT conversation are Sambo dudes. Yeah, and it is so crazy. Yeah. I'm starting to think Sambo is like the best base. You can make a case for that just based on those guys. Right? And then somebody like Arlovsky as well, like who's not in the GOAT talk, but clearly one of the best. Ever Definitely too. a legend. If we're talking legacy, I'm putting Arlovsky as a legend for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Arlovsky is a legend. I always believed Arlovsky just started going downhill once he started shaving his chest. I've always always believed that. When he first came out, he had these like cool mouth guard with these like fangs and just like this hairy chest and he just looked like this scary Russian dude. And like, yeah, he was the pit bull. Like he knocked out Tim Sylvia from bottom though. Like something crazy. He lost to Tim Sylvia by TKO. Mm -hmm. He won by submission. Yeah, he had Achilles lock. And that's what won him the UFC title. Ah, okay. Yeah. And he's I, fought I for the it. UFC title more than once. He's defended it one, two, he defended it twice. And the fact that he's still going and still getting wins is pretty nuts. Yeah. That adds, that's where longevity matters to me too. Like, yo, know, he's still doing good. I would against say that's part of his record. People. He fought in 1999 and he's still going in 2021. My God, 22 years. That's to be able and, to do that. And at heavyweight. I would say it's easier at heavyweight though than lightweight. I don't think so. Long. Look how many times you're getting knocked out. How long, how good can you stay? I just feel like speed matters so much more when you're at light, like, you know, and that's what goes fastest when you get older. Yeah. But I would say so, skill wise, you're talking about like, you can't make mistakes. Like how yeah, sharp no, are you going to be when you get taken all these KOs? Yeah, that too. No, yeah. And also if you're looking at Andre Olovsky's strength of schedule, I think people don't realize, but Rico Rodriguez, Pedro Hizzo, uh, Matt Yushchenko, Justin Eilers, Tim Sylvia, Paul Bentuelo. There's so many guys. Verdum, Rothwell, Nelson, Fedor, Bigfoot, Karatonov, Travis Fulton. There's so many guys. Anthony Johnson, Travis Brown, Frank Beer, Stipe, Overeem, Barnett, Naganu. 
Like he's fought everyone. Stephen Struve. He did fight Nagano. He got knocked out. Yep. I mean, everyone does. He fought yeah. Rosenstruck, Tanner Bost. Like, just dude, his schedule has been insane. Wow. I can't believe our last kid had five straight losses. Miocic, Overeem, Barnett, Francis Ngannou. Those four and losses. Like, yeah, dude. Marcin Tybura. And then you come back to win twice. Like, Those five how does somebody are, not die? Yeah. Those five like, are insanely difficult. Overeem and Ngannou have... The most intimidating physiques in the world, and he knocked. He got knocked out on both of them. Yes. Then you have Stipe, who's just a beast, and Josh Barnett. I feel like is like a little bit like Fedor, like scariest grapplers. Like you know, like that dude. they got that like catch sambo scary. Like I'm gonna rip your dude. A juiced up TRT Overeem versus Nagano would be the exact dream fight. I would go crazy for. Yes, that that's a horse meat challenge. Yeah. That'd have been insane. But yeah, right, I don't so know. I mean, like, we're talking about all these guys that are good and stuff, and and I think, yeah, I think we're both in agreeing that strength of schedule is such a big deal. I mean, that 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 alone, you know, for me, Andre Olovsky is thirty-one and twenty. I lost. And I'm him. like, for me, he's a Hall of Famer. He won a championship. He defended it multiple times. It's just people are like, oh, what have you done for me recently? But like, look at what this guy has had to go through. Mm-hmm. And he has came out with a net positive. Again, he's a former champion. He's got a lot of wins. He's still going, in fact. Yeah, we, ha- we have to put this question out on the Instagram because I'm curious what everybody says and like, mm. we should tally the votes. I-, I-, I think I do put Fedor one. Yes. And-, and maybe Anderson two. So do you want to propose the question with people or do you want to propose this, this question on you know, the aspects that you're judging? Both, because I'm curious what the because to me it is strength of schedule, and I think also the fact that like if you don't test yourself out of your weight class, I think that's a little bit of like a knock because some people have tested themselves out of their weight class, Mm -hmm. and so I think like that that must add something to like a fighter because if you're only fighting people just your weight, like I forgot what other fighter said this, but Oh, Max Holloway. This is why I love Max Holloway mm-hmm. where he's like, I know people think I'm kidding about fighting Daniel Cormier, but he's like, I'll fight Daniel Cormier. <laughs> and he's like, I love their uh, relationship. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what's the point of, he's like, I got into martial arts to beat up everybody. He's like, he's like we're not going to weigh in before we fight. Like, you know, if I'm fighting you on the mm-hmm. street, like he's like, you got to be able to fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. And so, um. To me, that's why, like, I'm just disappointed All like, right, so how, how Penn's you, career ended. You can't judge that for heavyweights then? No, but you could judge by how often they fight, who they're willing to fight. if they're. Right. But but this is where business plays a part, where some people now are like, yo, I'm just not going to risk my business. And then it's like, all right, well, maybe that hurts your legacy. Yeah, 100% it can. Best fighter, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, some fighters don't fight for legacy, and that's fine. But if, like, the public is going to judge you based on legacy, I mean, that, that's what it takes a hit. Yeah, and you just, know, you can't you can't get I, everything you want. Of course, of course. Right? So like but you can't be like, hey, I'm, I'm the best, I'm rich, but I'm hesitant to put out the question because it's almost like I know that people aren't going to care about strength of schedule. Really? Yeah, people just get too caught up in intangibles, X factors. They get caught up in like, oh, but like this guy has the most knockouts. And you're like, all right, but he has no good grappling. You know, or you'll have the guys that are like, just like the best record, but all right, he didn't really verse anyone. Like, I think people just get caught up in whoever the media thinks is really good. And that may not necessarily be the case. Yeah. Like, I'm making I mean, a case for Andre Olavsky. The media will never say Andre Olavsky is, you know, 
a surefire Hall of Famer, but to me, he's no question. I feel like the media would. You think? For Hall of Fame, yeah. Not GOAT talk, but yeah. I mean, okay, I I would put him amongst the best heavyweights in UFC history. Yeah, I think you should. Okay, I think, right, me- I think the media. I think the media would too. They would, but I think I think what you're saying, I agree with you to an extent. But you also have to remember the media hyped up Anderson Silva, the media hyped up Fedor, everybody that we love okay, that we're putting this? in the goat talk. Andre Olovsky is a better heavyweight than Francis Nagano is. Maybe right now, but maybe not right in like now. Hundred percent. Maybe not in like two, three fights. In two, three Fair. fights, it, it'll but again, change, now you're talking like things that haven't happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But exactly. People will not admit that right now. So that's also the hard part with goats because, and that's why I mentioned it earlier, like eras, you know, like with Babe Ruth, for example, people are like, yo, Babe Ruth is the best baseball player ever because until the guy Shohei Otani is doing it now, but he's like, nobody was a great pitcher and a great hitter. Mm-hmm. And I think at this time, like when Babe Ruth first started playing, like, the record for home runs was like 10 homers a season, you know? And then like Babe Ruth comes out hitting 60, like totally smashing these things. But then you have some people that are like, yeah, but he didn't get to play against black people, you know? So like his, mm-hmm. like, like he had an easier thing. And so, and then it's like, Oh, but we don't really even know who he played. Plus the people, he, the people that were pitching against Babe Ruth had jobs. Like they were like policemen and sanitation where like nobody had enough money to just mm-hmm. train and be an athlete. And so it does like, there's so much nuance where now it's like, all right, well, these people have way better sports science today than they did. Correct. Yeah, no, I, I, I am yeah. in complete agreeance. I'm not saying the best Andre Arlovsky beats the best Francis Nagano. Mm-hmm. That's different, though. Their legacy is basically what they leave behind, how much they conquered the era in which they were a part of. I'm a big believer in the athletes of today pretty much always beat the athletes of last decade. I, I just think also the athletes of this decade are going to hurt a little bit because they're more business minded. It's going to help them in their future and their fame and their ability. A legacy but legacy hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I keep going to that Mike Tyson quote and he said it a few months ago. He goes, yo, he's like, these fighters today have way more business sense than I've ever had. He's like, when mm. I was a fighter, I was a killer. Like that's, <laughs> that's all he knew how to do. Yep. And like, you know, now like fighters are businessmen. Like, the the and I I noticed this like an entourage like you know there was like that one time like Vinny Chase is like who do I have my who should be my agent you know and everything was we're gonna build your brand and that's what mm. fighters are now like my brand like everything is like the brand the brand the brand and I I have to give a certain higher level to somebody that's just like my fists like fuck your brand like you know like I will fight you and I'll like beat you and so I think that that's goes- important. Yeah, 100%. I think that goes to speak to the volumes of like, do you think an MMA fighter will ever accrue 100 wins again? I don't. No, because the sport is different. Also, athletic commissions are different. They, they won't let you fight three times in one night, which right, is like right, awesome. Right. Like when you could collect wins. Back but that's also like what adds to a guy like Dan Severn's legacy too. Like that record is just insane. I think you're stuck. I think you're, I think you get overcorrections in this world. And I think you're going to start to get some fighters now that are like, fuck everybody. I'm a fighter. Like a little bit like the Diaz mentality. Maybe. But without like the social anxiety where they're just going to be like, I'm going to fight everybody anywhere, anytime. (laughs) And I think like, hopefully we start seeing some of those dudes. I don't know. I feel like BJ Penn was a little bit like that. And that's like in my heart, like I want to put BJ Penn in like one of the top five because. Yeah. 
to me, there's nobody that had a better fighting spirit. So, I mean, I can make a case for BJ Penn over Khabib. I can make the case. Do I, do I think Khabib has a better legacy than BJ Penn? Yes, but not by much, actually. Yeah, not by much. It's because, and it's a lot because BJ Penn hurt his legacy later on. If he they're both they're both earlier, tied in lightweight defenses, mm-hmm. but BJ has a welterweight championship under his belt too. Yeah, and he fought middleweight. He fought Henzo Gracie at right. middleweight. His strength right? of schedule is way better than Khabib's, so that record is not like too crazy to go one way or the other. The only difference is like Khabib, we've never seen really like lose any rounds. Where BJ, we yeah. did. Yeah, and BJ Penn. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just a fanboy with BJ because the second fight with Matt Hughes, he should have won, but like he got hurt and then Hughes got the crucifix. I thought so he, I was like, oh, I thought he beat GSP. I thought he beat GSP, too. Mm-hmm. And, and you uh, know what? I've watched that fight more than once and still came out thinking like like way later. I mean, it's probably been a good like seven years since I've last seen that fight. But even like years after, like five years after that fight happened, I watched it again. I'm like, I still think BJ won. Yeah, I think BJ won. Yeah. I also think BJ won against Frankie Edgar the first time. Ooh, and yeah, so that was like close. I feel like there's like those some of those close fights. Like mm-hmm. if he beats Frankie Edgar that first time and he gets that first GSP victory, oh my and he gets gosh. the second Matt Hughes victory, like it's he's done. It's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah, he's like number one ever. It's like he was so close, like but to all it. these things. <laughs> and nobody, yes. like, for people that are like new to swear, like, people did not like lightweight fights back in the day. Like, they mm-hmm. didn't care. Like, same way, like, people didn't love featherweight fights until well, Connor came. Yeah, like, I mean, BJ Penn lightweight was the lightest the weight class in UFC for a very long time. They didn't have mm-hmm. anything under lightweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Maybe I do Fedor, Anderson Silva. Slash Khabib tied for two, maybe or Khabib three, and then I think it's like Aldo Penn. Okay, I mean it's, it's fair. I mean people make cases. I think a lot of people forgot how great Matt Hughes was. Oh GSP, I forgot GSP too. Yeah, it's close. GSP yeah. is huge too. Yeah, yeah. GSP but GSP is well known. I think like Matt Hughes. I don't know how many people even are are familiar with Matt Hughes anymore. Pretty dominant fighter. Pretty exciting fighter too. Do you think? Just side note, do you think prime Khabib and prime Aldo, prime Khabib just holds Aldo down? You think he catches him and just holds him down? Yeah. Do you think Aldo could get up from underneath Khabib? I don't know. Was his jujitsu decent enough? I mean, it was world class. Man, and I would Aldo was so explosive. Seen that fight, but yeah. I, I would, I would pick Khabib. But man, I would love, I would love to see it because you just don't know. I know that's one of my like dream fights. My dream, dream, dream fight is Khabib versus Usman. If Khabib just came back, fought Usman, and won, then Khabib's goat. He only needs one more win for me to be goat. If he just came in and beat Usman, I'd yeah, be like, beating All right, Usman's he's goat. a big win. It's not just beating the welterweight champion; it's beating the welterweight champion that looks like he can't be beat. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's like it's like Highlander. You get all the wins that Usman had. So it's like, all right, like, in a sense, yeah. I, a little bit. Like, yes. I counted a little bit. Like, especially if it's a Khabib that does it and it's not like a fluke win. But he's not doing that. I know. If he so did that, though, he would solidify. can't judge it on like, oh, he almost the greatest ever with the biggest win of his career. Like, okay, yeah, but you're taking away the biggest win of his potential career. Oh, shit. We didn't even talk about John Jones. How much do PEDs matter? Because if not, oh. then John Jones, like. That was also- my reason for Hendricks not getting in. Ah, uh, the PEDs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, look, I think everyone's pretty much on them, but the rules are like, hey, don't get caught. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just one of those things. Like mm-hmm. it is a rule, you know, it's one of those things. Like that's it. And John Jones yeah. got away with a lot. John Jones got away with everything. And he did a lot of fucked up shit. His perceived skill is super high and his record is really good. His strength of schedule is really good. So like he definitely, of course, is a legend. His legacy is huge. It's just there's something about that skill level where it didn't always play out in his fights. Yeah. A lot of close decisions. Mm -hmm. I would argue he lost a couple. In his prime, there's no one more devastating. Like his elbows and when he would like hurt, it was like. Yeah, submissions, it, everything. It, it was scary yeah. how he, how, and he did it with multi generations. He just eliminated every one of our favorite fighters, and it was sad. <laughs> like, like yeah. he went through Shogun, Machida, Rampage, just like, just destroyed all. And I was like, oh, I love all these people. And he just murdered all of them. So, as dominant as Fedor was, he was kind of vicious in his victories. Whereas dominant as John Jones was, it was more like Flash. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes. He was vicious against Shogun. His elbows were like... Yeah, they were. I don't know. The spinning back elbows elbows. to me or Flash. I don't know. The way he hits... The elbows on the ground I'm talking about. When he was in your guard and he elbow you, those were like murderous. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing that tops Fedor's aggressiveness. Yes. That's that's what I love about Fedor. 10 out of 10. The only person that's come close, I think, in some grounded pound is Khabib, but not even. Yeah, no, I can't even. Yeah. But Khabib had some intensity like that. But Khabib was more grappling minded where. Yeah. I truly believe Fedor, like everyone says, like they have no hierarchy or I feel like Fedor truly was like whatever you give me. But in mm-hmm. the process, I'm just going to hurt you. And mm-hmm. it was like 100 percent honest. It wasn't like, oh, like. People are still looking for stuff. Like, I think Fedor was like, I'm going to murder you and whatever you give me, I'm taking instantly. Yeah. Give me something. Fedor, John Jones would have been a good fight. Fedor, Randy Couture. This is where like a little bit like, I wish sports was like a little bit more like, you know, like the way the NFL is where like you have to fight certain people. Like, you know, like less like vague, like, oh, like let's work out this fight. Like, I wish it was like NFL. Like, all right, you're going to fight these people, mm. you know? And there's like a season and like, we've got to see some of yeah, these. Yeah, if like, they made it fights. like tournament style, yeah, that's it. You basically don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it'd be a lot easier to like understand like who some of these GOAT stuff are. Plus we have weight classes where the other sports don't have that. So it's like a little bit more like. You know what I want to mention to you? One more thing about Fedor. He had 15 wins by knockout and 15 wins by submission. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. exactly. Insane. True symmetry. Yeah. Fedor, if I if I could be a fighter, if I could be like Neo, you know, and they just inject like talent in my head, I mm-hmm. think like Fedor. Would- How about for boxing? Who would you say is the best boxer ever? Yeah, like because I don't know the older people in boxing, like and how amazing they are. Well, who comes like, to your me, mind? For me, it's definitely not Mayweather because okay. I don't consider Mayweather like Yes, like he's like technically smooth, like he's like yeah, he's defensively great, but he's not like knocking anybody out. Like you okay. know like so much. So this is that's my a point. negative on me. This is my point where if we're looking at record, strength of schedule and perceived skill, he crushes all three. Yeah, maybe. I just for me personally not. Like I get like how other 
legitimate experts yeah. in boxing pick him and i'm not going to be like you're wrong just in my head though like i need that a little bit of like aggressiveness it's a fight to me you know like even though it's boxing and not like a fight fight like it's still a fight in my head and if uh, you're like see, avoiding yeah. that a little you're bit i don't own, love that you're in your own world then man i am i am so, <laughs> so i admit it though i, I and like, I feel like when De La Hoya fought Mayweather, like De La Hoya brought it to Mayweather. And even yeah. Mayweather's dad felt like De La Hoya won that fight. So I feel like that's like one of those fights, like nobody fully wins. Um, There's a winner. Yeah, whatever. I just like, I love, I always talk about Ali because I love Ali outside of the cage. So like right. for me, like I have the to. The other knock him. that I always want to point out on Mayweather is people are like, oh, he's 50 and 0, but he doesn't knock anyone out. Actually, 27 of those were knockouts. That's yeah, he, more than he, half of his wins. Er, but they were mostly early in his career. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When he's in his 20s, he's not going to knock out people in his 40s. Okay. Inject anybody's talent into my brain and I get their talent boxing wise. I pick Roy Jones Jr. Oh, geez. Roy Jones required a lot of athleticism. Yeah. But that's what I love about him. Like he was athletically. You don't get that, but his brain. No, but he was no, but he was also brilliant. Like his dad, yes, was the meanest dad in the world. Like sure, him, so he knew all the fundamentals, and then he also had all the flair. He had everything, and so to so me, like Floyd. I love it. I just I I I I like Roy Jones. In my That's head, fair. it's like I, I love Roy Jones too. He's definitely one of the most exciting fighters. I'm just gonna go out there and be like, no, I think Floyd takes it no question. So when someone's like, oh, they talk about the best boxer ever. I think Floyd has to be hands down number one. Yeah, I'm not going to totally fight you on that. I also love Bernard Hopkins. He's a great fighter, yeah, for sure. Those, those two, like, I, I feel like challenge themselves a little bit more than Floyd. Yeah. Floyd was a savvier businessman. Those two people, I think, were, like, looking for How about tougher this? challenges. And Everyone knows that Canelo is the guy right now, right? Yeah. And he is. And his next fight is versus Caleb Plant. And no one gives Caleb Plant a chance. And I actually think of all the Canelo fights, this is the one that's most dangerous. I'm going to call it now. I think Plant's going to win. Really? Why? Why do you say that? Because if I would have, like, from what I see of Canelo, like where he has been hurt, where he has had, like, kinks in the armor, is exactly what Caleb Plant is best at. And while, yes, I still think, okay, yeah, Canelo should win. If I'm a betting man, I want to bet on Caleb Plant. I don't know what right the now, odds are, but I'm sure it's going to be pretty sweet. Right now, he's ranked the second best active super middleweight by ESPN and third by The Ring. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Plant is sick. Oh, he's 21-0, and 0, so he's undefeated. Yeah, he's sweet incredible. Hands. I think this is the most dangerous Canelo fight there is. Mm. And when are they fighting? November 6th. November 6th. Speaking of boxing, when is uh, Jake Paul fighting Tyrone Woodley? Oh, yes. We should talk about that. That's this week, right? Yeah. Next Saturday. Yeah, the coming Saturday. Yeah. How do you see it going? I think Jake wins. Why? And how? Because I don't... It sucks that like fighting is like this. But once you... Your time passes you quickly in fighting. A lot of guys... And I just think that Paul is better than people think. And Tyrone Woodley is not as good as people. That's why. Uh, At this Jorge point, Ma- if you would have took Paul right now versus Tyrone Woodley seven years ago, no question. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. 
Jorge Masvidal was like, because when Paul fought Askren, Masvidal was like, Askren's a joke. Paul's going to smash him. And then for this fight, they asked Masvidal, because Masvidal's somewhat friends with Paul, but he's Woodley too. Mm-hmm. He was like, he's like, I see Woodley winning. And he's like, and if Woodley doesn't win, I don't know anything about fighting. But he's like, and he's like, I may not have any idea about fighting. So like, I think Masvidal still thinks like <laughs> Paul has a chance to win, but he's like, come on, like, it's gotta be Woodley, but he's like, if that does. and so I don't know. I'm just taking his opinion since I feel like he's trained with both mm-hmm. and he's already supported Paul once, but like, I don't think he's like nut hugging Paul, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought he was like, kind of like nut hugging Paul when he fought Askren, but really, I guess it was just Masvidal hates Askren and was totally right that Askren fucking can't throw a strike. Like, right. So I don't know. I'm hope and Woodley's been training with, who the guy that you call the goat right he's been training with the uh, mayweather yeah so, so i do think that woodley is taking the fight serious and so it would be mm-hmm. really cool to see woodley like win train and put on a performance and really have a good fight but i think he's just past his time i don't know it's sad to say that i don't want to be saying that i know part of me makes me think like woodley's gonna do better this time because he doesn't have to worry about takedowns or anything like that cage the same thing paul doesn't have to worry about takedowns either so you just gotta avoid the shots of woodley and i don't know if that helped because woodley was doing pretty decent against luke when they were just like striking he looked good but it wasn't long yes i feel i feel like if you're getting that tutelage from like mayweather and you're training and and i think woodley knows like you're gonna be a little bit of a i don't want to say laughing stock but like they're gonna laugh at you if Paul wins, especially if what you've said, like, I have no doubt that Woodley is like, yeah, his back is definitely against the wall. He has a lot of pride going into this fight. Yes. That's yes. why I know, like, he's going to be training hard for it. But yeah, I don't know, man. You're taking a guy that's streaking with a lot of L's versus a guy that's streaking with wins. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. This is this. But to me, this is Paul's first real fight. It's his okay. second real fight. Right? I mean, you, this you is, also thought Askren was going to beat Paul, too. No, that's what I said. Okay. That's why I said second. It's the second real fight. Yeah. But he's definitely moving. He's leveling up. Yeah. Like Woodley's way better than Askren. And then if he beats Woodley, then it's like, oh, my God. Like, that's Mm -hmm. somewhat exciting. Like, all right. Because Woodley is legit. Woodley's getting older. And Woodley definitely slowed down. But I I partially think that's like MMA. And you have to worry about everything in MMA. So I I want Jake Paul to – it's sad to say that because I kind of want Tyrone Woodley to win. But I want Jake Paul to win because – I think what he's doing for fighter pay is going to be good in the end. Yeah. And it's also like, what is next? If Woodley wins, the Jake Paul era is done. Like, I feel like with one loss, at least at this point, Jake Paul is kind of done. I don't think so. Jake Paul's so young, and I think he's only getting better, and somebody else is going to be like, let me fight you. I think as long as Jake Paul puts in a good showing, which I think he's going to do, I I don't see him getting knocked out in one shot. I think as long as he has a close fight, Everyone's oh, gonna watch okay. him fight again. Yeah, fair enough. But if Woodley knocks him out, it's over. No, if he knocks him out in the sixth round, then it's still like, yo, he did good. He hung around six rounds with fucking Tyrone Woodley, a champion, a Hall of Famer. I don't know. You know, I, I don't think people are gonna be look, I don't like Jake Paul as a person, but I respect that he beat Askren. And if he even hangs with Woodley, I respect him. And he's young, he's like 24 or something. So like mm. He could keep training and he has great trainers around him and he'll get better. I'll watch his other fights. Like as long as he's taking it seriously, I'll watch that stuff. I think it'll be fun. I don't know. I just, I want him to go up the ladder. I want him to keep getting like, who's he going to call out next is a huge 
Like I'm excited for it now. I'm yeah, like, no, oh, it's who fun. Who's he gonna call out next? I'm. I still want him to lose. It's the same thing with me with McGregor. How much does fighter pay get better? Do you care about it? I don't think Paul's the only one. I think. Yo, did you see? I think he's the greatest one. We're going up. We're going off a lot of topics, but it's fine. Did you watch? Did you see some of the PFL stuff this week and the Bellator stuff? What? So at the PFL fights, so like with Kayla Harrison. Oh, okay, yeah. There was Jorge Masvidal was there, Kamara mm-hmm. Usman was there, Amanda mm-hmm. Nunes was there, and and like yeah, my, our, our friend Brian Persky like wrote me is like, yo, you watching this? Like like uh, PFL does some interesting stuff where they show you the strikes like live, like what's mm-hmm. connecting, like arm strikes, leg strikes. They also show the speed at which the strike hit you. Like that was a seventy-five yeah, mile an hour cool. punch. ESPN will show you the strikes if you have their app. Okay. They'll do a live strike count where it is. They'll even like show the the fighter's body, and then mm. like it'll blink red where they've been hit and stuff. It's kind of so crazy. Like the video game. See, I love that. And part of me is thinking yeah. though, like, I wonder how Dana felt seeing some of his top stars at the PFL arena. And like, I know in the past, like, people are always supporting their training partners and they're going, mm-hmm. but some of the production quality of like what PFL was doing and Belzer was doing like is in some ways better than what like the UFC was doing. And then their stars were there. Part of me was thinking like maybe the stars got together a little bit. And this is just like some conspiracy thing. And be like, all right, look, we're not going to talk about unions and some of that stuff because it hurts our pay, but let's just hype up some of these other competitors. And that in a way will give us some leverage. And so yeah, what I'm saying is I don't think it's all on Paul. I love that Paul's doing it, but I think mm. Paul will continue to do it. Like when Conor McGregor Maybe. was doing a lot for the sport, I still loved it when Nate Diaz smashed him, like, you know, and choked him yes. out. Like to me, that was one of the greatest moments in UFC history, but it didn't make me not want to see Conor again. And so I think Paul has a little bit of that Conor energy. And even if he does lose, it'll still be fun to watch him fight. I'll probably wonder, become a bigger fan of him if any, he loses. Um, rematch clause in this. Maybe. I feel like I'll become a bigger fan of Paul if he loses and he comes back. I'll be like, all right, good. I want to see you. I want to see you now rise. If he wins, I still want to watch him lose. Where if he loses, I might want to see him win his next fight. You know what I mean? I think think his uh, net good is better, so I want him to keep winning. Like if Woodley wins, what what the good does it do? It's good for Woodley. It it hypes up MMA fighters as more legitimate again and then, yeah, maybe more people come to the sport and watch it and Maybe more but leverage people, to the fighters. To... Paul, all they're gonna do is be like, "All right, Woodley beat up a YouTube star." Like they're gonna like take it away from. Him. Yes, that is true. That's what sucks. That's that's life. And then I feel the like sometimes people will do that with Paul too. Like I don't think it'll happen as much. But if Paul beats Woodley, they're like, "Oh, he beat up like an old Woodley." Yeah, take he beat away, up a wrestler. Yeah. That's they what take away wins. wins. You're like, all right. That's where context comes into play. And that's why, yeah, I, I was, I think looking at our conversation in the beginning from like 20,000 feet, we were somewhat like dicks to some of these fighters, but it's also like we're trying to figure out who's the greatest of all time. Yes, you know, so like sometimes course. you have to like use context. It's not like anybody that even made the UFC is an awesome person. You know, like anybody that goes into the ring, like, yo, that's like a legit athlete. Same thing like in the NFL. Like if you're on the practice squad in the NFL, you're a fucking amazing athlete. You know, you're just going against like legit, like crazy people. And so, yeah, sometimes I'm allowed to say like, yeah, the second string linebacker sucks compared to the <laughs> others, you know, but like Correct. in real life, they're ridiculous. Yeah. Top 50 in the world. Yeah. 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 
All right. I think that's good. I think we got what legacy is, how we define it at least. We hashed out some examples. We went off on a bunch of other things too. I think that's good for today. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.